forever. Dog. Hey guys, Gabby here. This is our first episode back from our little break, and the audio is not what we want it to be. Less than ideal. The episode is fantastic. Please listen to it. Uh, we need to show support for Allison. Uh, our guest Chloe is amazing. Um, Melissa is back. I mean, it's all good stuff. Audio could be better. I promise this is the only time this will happen. We are sorry about the quality. Please enjoy the episode anyway. Love you guys. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, director, and recently single person who is now living with her parents. I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I can't. I'm. I can't follow that. <laughs> I have not. I have nothing to follow that at all. Uh, so you've been uh, just a beacon and a light to the people on Instagram throughout what's been going on. Do you? Do you want to talk about it and also like? channeling what's going on into this thing that is apparently a plague amongst men in the world? I'm not interested in getting into specifics just yet because I'm still processing everything. And, you know, I can only speak for me Mm -hmm. and my experience of what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. But about a week ago, so today is Tuesday the 24th and then last Monday, my fiance and live-in partner, who I thought I was going to be marrying in August, decided that the relationship was missing something and that he was not excited about our future. And so he decided to end it. Did not want to work on things because he did not think it would be possible to work on them. I have never had such a shocking thing happen to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had many shocking things happen to me, actually. Well, yeah, but like, I think this is number one shocking. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was under the impression that even if things were not the best, it was 2020 and mm-hmm. a pandemic and civil unrest and we were doing the best we can and we had made a commitment to each other, so therefore we would work through it. And I guess we had a different understanding of what being engaged meant. And so I'm just processing still. And um, Mm -hmm. obviously, I'm still like, Oh, my God, I hope he changes his mind and comes back. And I'm sure that will be with me for a while. You know, I'm I managed somehow (laughs) to get from Los Angeles to my parents house in New York, I feel (sighs) I don't feel great about the fact that I traveled during the pandemic, but it was another case of like, it felt like survival. It felt like staying in that apartment alone was just like not a viable option for me. And I tried Mm -hmm. to be as safe as possible. I got tested before I went. I've been wearing a mask since I've gotten here. I don't think you have to justify that as part of this. It also definitely made things harder. You know, my friends would come see me and I would be sobbing and they would be like, I I would like to hug you, but I cannot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm really sorry. I, I think like, I think that people, yeah, you're right. I think that people don't understand that, like, if you're in a partnership, that is a commitment to at least work. Like, that's mind blowing to me to at least like work, work on what's going on. Yeah. I think people handle stress. I, look, I, I can tell you my entire, my entire theory theory of what happened and, Mm -hmm. and, Yes, I guess it makes sense 
does it make it any less shocking or traumatic? No. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, so what have you uh, been doing on Instagram? Well, a few weeks ago, I started a mental health account called Emotional Support Lady. Um, mm-hmm. And you can find it just through linking through my main account. Um, and it was a place where I wanted to sort of chronicle what I'm learning in school and my own my own journey with mental health and just sort of like, I really want to like destigmatize a lot of stuff and come at it from not just a, you know, anxiety, depression outlook, but like, I want to include all disorders and all cultures and all Mm -hmm. ways that we approach this aspect of our life. Um, and so I, I was really excited about the account and then this thing happened and I was like, well, I feel kind of bad because, I think that this account has like been helping people during this time. And so I didn't really want to just abandon it. And so no. I, and I also didn't want to just, you know, it's also just been like a healing process for me to sort of be like chronicling my journey of dealing with this trauma. And then the unbelievable support that has come with it. I'm like absolutely blown away by it. It's like, and people keep being like, I don't know if this will mean anything or help, but it absolutely does. So many people have shared stories of like the rug being pulled out from under them in the same way. And the fact that they have gone through it and that they've eventually, you know, some of them have found other people and that they keep going, that they've like discovered other things about themselves. And, you know, I think that with social media, a lot of it is like, we have decided to, split but we're amicable and this was a decision we both made and like this wasn't a decision we both made right 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 I don't have any obligation to say that obviously he has his version of what happened and I have my version of what happened but it was not my decision and it was not something that I wanted and I think a lot of people go through that and so I'm finding it really healing to like sort of share my journey especially because my journey of dealing with this feels so different than any other breakup in a way of like, I'm just stronger. So even though this is like so much worse objectively, (laughs) I have the coping skills where I'm not suicidal. I'm not Mm self-harming. I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm really trying to focus on me. Obviously the first few days were spent like analyzing every single thing that happened and trying to figure it out and make sense of it. And like, maybe this is just something that will never have a satisfying answer and that's okay. And I have to just focus on me and I have to focus on moving forward. Um, and I also have to focus on like letting myself feel the pain because otherwise it'll just come back up in six months. So it's a lot of, of like moment to moment. (laughs) You're purposefully not saying anything disparaging. So I'm, I'm going to respect that. (laughs) I would like to say some things, but I'll be quiet. Uh, I, you know, I think I, I, all I've said is that I don't know, even if he did come back, I don't, I'm like, I've kind of been saying like, I don't know if you want that, but I understand the feeling of like, no, 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 let's just erase it. But, you know, I think there's like an immaturity his behavior is so out of character right. that to me, it feels like he is not being himself. And okay. as somebody who has had mental health issues and who has had moments where I have done things that do not feel like me, sure, you know, I allow some grace there and I understand, you know, like I, I don't want to. That's very kind of you. Well, you know, I loved this person. I still right, love this right, person. Right, 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 right. It's also a self-soothing feeling and sense right. of like, 
not feeling like, oh my God, I never knew him versus like he's going through it. I did know him. He's just going through a tough time and potentially handling <sighs> it in a way that is hurtful to me. Yeah. Um, but you don't but, deserve you know, that is what I've been trying to say. It's not yeah. an excuse. You don't deserve that. And like, you know, you mentioned briefly that like a lot of people have been saying that they've gone through similar things. And I said in a text that I feel like it's a plague where I feel like there's just this thing where like men don't know how to communicate. They feel like they they just need to do things like ripping a Band-Aid off. And like, it would be great if they could learn maybe to talk. I don't know. <laughs> like there's something so like weirdly specific to, because are you hearing mostly from women? Yeah. Exactly. You know, I think it's tough. I think he was telling me 70% of the stuff, but not 100% of the stuff. Right. So I felt like we were talking and we were working through things, but I didn't understand the extent of his doubts. I, I'm, I'm trying to view this as like a freak accident. <laughs> like, yeah. whereas, whereas before I would have been like beating myself up no. and being like, this is because you're not good enough. This is because you fucked yeah, this up. This is because you let this happen. If you were like this, this wouldn't have happened. Instead, no. I'm trying to be like, this was a perfect storm of COVID, quarantine, 2020 in general, us never, us being in the house together 24 seven, some different ways that we deal with stress, you know? Right, right, and right. so I'm, instead of taking it on myself as a failure, I'm sort of just feel like, okay, I'm just like collateral to what happened in this person's life. It's not a failure of yours at all. Yeah. And I'm sure he doesn't view it that way. And we'll obviously always have different views of what happened, but, um, I think it's really helpful for me because it's also really helpful in the sense that I'm like, okay, so how can I ever trust anybody again? Right. Like right. how can I, even if I were engaged to somebody again, how could I believe that they're not going to do this? Mm-hmm. And by viewing it through this freak accident viewpoint, I'm able to say like, people rarely get hit by lightning, but they almost never get hit by lightning twice. <laughs> you that know, is so that is true. I'm just like sort of taking it from the point of view of like, I have to just have faith that this will not happen to me again. That like, yeah. I, I like for it to happen twice would just be so bananas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you're, it's already bananas that it's happened once. So you're um, like, um, you sound much better now than you have from like lesser breakups in the past if I may say so. But that's what I'm talking about. That's why the foundation that I built for myself and the coping skills that I developed and the, yeah. you know, I had gotten to a place where I really, really, really liked myself and mm-hmm. I was really happy with who I was. And this mm-hmm. obviously is like an attack on that and yeah. like an, an attempt to bring me back down to when I've questioned myself more. But just the outpouring of support from both my friends, my family, and just this community that I've built online Mm -hmm. has been so tremendous and helpful that I have to think big picture. And, you know, all signs point to this isn't really about me. And Mm -hmm. I just have to heal like the way you would have to heal if you got in a car accident. (laughs) And like, you'd be afraid to get in a car again, but you'd be like, well, I still need to get places. And it's unlikely I'll have two really bad car accidents. Um, Your book is going to be incredible. Yeah. So that's another whole aspect of it. Um, no, I think, I think this is, I think this is good. <laughs> I, so, I mean, yeah. I don't know who knows this, but some people know I, I have a book coming out about dating with anxiety, OCD and depression. And I obviously wrote the book from the point of view of I'm now happy 
and I mm-hmm. now found my person and I will now have to go back and cut all of him from the book and redo the last chapter. But, you know, whereas the last chapter used to be titled, how do you make a relationship last? I now really want the last chapter to be, how do you not give up? Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think, I, I think it's a more helpful, maybe a more, I mean, I know this is like devastating for you, obviously, but like, maybe it's a more helpful piece of work in that way. We'll see. I haven't revised it yet, but you know, I think, I know, I I think that the main takeaway, at least for me is that like, even when terrible things happen to you, the work that you've done doesn't go away. That's the thing. Yeah. So that's been empowering in a way, despite the sadness and trauma of all of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure some days will be a lot worse than others, but the fact that I'm able to have moments that are okay and that I'm able to do my work and I'm able to record this and I'm able to keep functioning. And I got myself to New York. Like I just have to find pride in that and not let this, um, undo all of the hard work I've already done. No, because that is about you. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, anyway, this is just between us. (laughs) (laughs) All the new listeners at Forever Dog are like, what is this show? Uh, This show is weirdly intimate. Um, (laughs) um, uh, uh, Yeah, this is a show with um, heartfelt advice. Ridiculous, ridiculous games, games and, and brutal, brutal oh honesty. Boy, brutal honesty. <laughs> um, oh. So we've been gone for uh, enough time for my life to implode, but we are back <laughs> with a, a brand new network. We're so excited to be a part of Forever Dog. You know, um, huge I, fan of the network. We're a huge fan of the network. We're just also such a fan of the listeners who have followed us here. Um, mm-hmm. We're excited to just be back to making weekly content and to, um, you know, this is what gets me through stuff, right? It's Mm -hmm. like feeling like, okay, maybe my life is not what I wanted it to be, but like, I can still help people. I can still like Mm -hmm. give a platform to voices that maybe don't normally reach the people that we already know and, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like keep doing stuff that, that will help other people. And I feel like that that's really helping my healing process. So I'm excited that we have the show back. I think it's lucky that you started your Instagram too around this, this time. Um, Yeah. Somebody said that someone was like, maybe this was meant to be so that not just so that you could help us, but so that we could help you. Oh my God. That's so nice. I know (laughs) people have said the nicest things. It's like, I'm like blown away. I keep taking screenshots and like, it's unbelievable. I also just had no idea the impact that I've had on people that like so many people have been like, you're the reason I went to therapy or the of reason course. I got help. Like, you know, I've heard it like a couple of times, but like just the outpouring of love and support has just been so powerful. This is why you have to read the compliments. Allison. <laughs> this is why you have to read the nice things. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're going to make the sh- we're going to do video for the show. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. And and like, you know, sometimes you're right. It is lost on us, like h- how much impact we have or what what we're able to contribute, you know, because you're just talking into a microphone. Um, so hopefully, I mean, a- out of this terrible thing, like a good thing is that like you are seeing how much you mean to the people who listen and like you are seeing like the ways that you've changed people's lives and the whole trajectory of their lives. And like, maybe you you would have continued to do what I know you to do, which is doubt it and say, nobody cares about me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I wasn't in that place, but I, you know, I think I didn't fully under, understand um, that, you know, and it just, it just empowers me to keep doing it, you know, like, whereas without this outpouring, I maybe would have just taken a break from all of social media, mm-hmm. but like emotional support ladies, like, I feel like it's not my account. I feel like I'm just part of this like amazing community um, that like, I, I want to keep giving to and receiving from and building and growing. Um, yeah. so we'll see, you know, yeah. and if, uh, obviously some stuff with work, I'm going to put more yes. on, I'm trying to take it easy. I'm trying to do a balance of like doing the things I have to do and not doing any more than that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, the fact that you're doing anything that you have to do is uh, bananas to me. So, oh, well, wow. thank you. Again, but- I don't know if I could have done that a few years ago. So growth is possible. Uh, despite trauma. <laughs> I want to let everyone know that I haven't grown at all. Uh, and that uh, uh, growth is not possible. Uh, I remain exactly the same and I will continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. And that's the Gabby Dunn guarantee. That's uh, not true. <laughs> In case you once you, like, once you got on those mood stabilizers, things really changed. <laughs> or they were like, look, this isn't relatable anymore. Like, Allison is like too strong or whatever. I want to let the people know that, uh, that I will, I promise I will not become a good person. Okay. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I'm excited for this week's episode, which is really saying something that I could be excited (laughs) at all right now. Oh my God. (laughs) We have an incredible guest joining us is Chloe from stripper stories to talk all about the sex work industry and her own personal experience. And then later we're going to be discussing emotional support animals and why they're great and why my therapist won't let me register beans as one. Really? I can't. It's a whole thing. But first, (laughs) hit it. International question. International question. International question. Anonymous, California. And uh, thank you to the person on Twitter. Twitter who made the international question song their uh, wake up alarm. That was one of the nicest things that's ever happened. And it made me so happy. Yes, this should become an international hit. We yes. should just expand it. So it's two minutes long and everyone will download it and we'll be <laughs> rich and famous. <laughs> yup. That's how that works. Okay. So anonymous writes, I've been dedicating a lot of time and work into a personal project and viewed it as my last chance of redeeming myself after a mistake I made that gave long-term consequences to my life. However, I had failed to make my final deadline for it, a deadline that had been pushed back countless times already. I had since completed the project, but I felt like it was too late and that by failing to meet the deadline, I forfeited my right to have any sense of self-worth or celebration at all. This continues to haunt me as every good thing that has happened to me since feels like it belongs to the hypothetical me that succeeded and that since I failed, I don't get to partake in it. Everything bad that's happened to me feels like it wouldn't have happened or at least wouldn't have been so bad if I had succeeded. Basically, by betraying my self-imposed ultimatum, I feel like I'm incapable of making myself happy as a human being, and I must be punished for it forever. Since I don't get that critical victory, I feel like I doomed my life and future to a timeline slash experience that's only going to remind me of how good I could have had it. I know I'm being irrational and that I'll get over it eventually, but I am seriously unable to experience any joy or satisfaction from anything without feeling like it belongs to a better me. Also, I love you guys. And the JBU podcast and channel are like the Ivy Leagues of emotional intelligence and is responsible for all of my growth and relationships. Wow. Um, Anonymous, I'm going to go out on a limb here um, and say that this 
is depression. <laughs> this is, you described like 100% my, my thoughts and my brain when I'm depressed. Like this is, I mean, to me, I'm not a therapist. This is depression. This sounds like exactly how I talk to myself when I'm depressed, exactly the way I think when I'm depressed. And I'm not talking about like depressed, like sad. I'm talking about like clinical depression where like I I am on meds for this. Like I, and I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but like I ruminate, I go back over things that I view as mistakes. I go back over ways I could have done things better. I go back over like, how like I, I should have been a psychic and I should have known that this was going to be the thing to do. And, and like nothing that I have accomplished now means anything because I didn't accomplish those other things. Like this is like, as Allison was reading it, I was like sweating. This is my like 100% down to like, you articulated my depression in a couple paragraphs. I mean, yeah, obviously we're not giving out diagnoses on this show. Um, but I think that we can all recognize that that thought process is not healthy and it's not Mm -hmm. serving you in any way. It's really hard to understand how long life is Mm -hmm. until you're old. (laughs) And that sucks because like while you're living it and while you're young, you feel like everything is so tied to that last failure or that last experience or that you're not hitting your five-year plan. So taking like a bigger step back, obviously I think that there probably is some depression happening here, but even just like for others listening who maybe have a tinge of this or who who feel like, oh, if I don't get this one thing, if I don't do this, then I'm worthless. I don't deserve anything. You're always changing. So this idea that you is always you is false. I think, you know, like let's say this thing happened to you six months ago. Mm-hmm. I would doubt that you're even that person anymore. Yeah. So like that failure happened to somebody else. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that person, that person failed to meet that deadline. You're a new you, you're on a different path, you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is almost create those chapters in our life and our brain and be like, well, that chapter. I was this person and now mm-hmm. I'm this person. And and so what happened there was tied to that person and I've grown into this person and therefore the same circumstances and rules do not apply to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of not giving yourself space to celebrate, like I relate to that so much. Um, I think yeah. we, as people, we don't celebrate ourselves enough. And like mm-hmm. in general, like I, it truly does not even occur to me. Celebrating any sort of success makes me fully anxious. Mm-hmm. Um because in my mind, I'm like, if I go out to drinks and celebrate that this thing sold, I'm jinxing it and making it mm-hmm. that it, it's not going to ha- like, but I'm not taking in the the actual thing that's happening that day. And like right. being happy about the thing that's happening that day. I'm already, I'm already in the future where I I'm embarrassed. I like, I get embarrassed. Like I'm embarrassed right. to celebrate. Like if I celebrate something, and it doesn't, and, and it, it doesn't go to the length that I want it to, or it ends up being whatever, not what I thought it was going to be. Like, I feel like genuine embarrassment. You're not even talking about like the person writing this, you did finish the thing. Yeah. You didn't finish <laughs> it on the deadline, but you, fi- you finished it. It's not like you didn't finish it. Um, and so I think you're coming up with excuses not to celebrate or not to feel joy or not to, or you feel I have friends who feel like a lot of shame around feeling pleasure or feeling joy. And like, I think, um, 
because it starts to make you nervous immediately. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I think you have to like sit with that feeling and push through the discomfort of it. I think sometimes it helps to sit in the discomfort. Like, why is this bothering me? Why am I uncomfortable? Like what in this moment is not allowing me to say, I deserve to feel good. I deserve Mm -hmm. to be thought of as good. My partner struggles a lot with, with thinking I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. Then if you have a narrative built around yourself, that's like, I don't deserve it. You got to take that one sentence. I don't deserve it. And you got to, you got to sit with it and you got to crush it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that the narrative that we build about ourselves is so important because it's something that we can change at any time. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can tell this narrative to yourself that you missed the deadline and that you're a failure and you don't deserve any happiness and that you're a fraud and whatever. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, I was going through a hard time. It was 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, that's got to be playing some level of it, I would assume, because right. you're probably quarantined and not living your normal life. You struggled to complete something, but then you, even even when it was past the deadline, you still finished you still it for yourself. It. You did it for yourself. And you showed yourself that you are able to do it. And everybody is on a different timeline when it comes to work yeah. and their production schedule. And, and, you know, what if your story is instead, I let myself down and so I made a vow never to do that again. I ruminate so much on like other timelines. What if I had Mm -hmm. stayed friends with this person? What if Mm -hmm. I had finished this thing? What if I had done this? What if I had known that I should do this? Let me tell you that the what if is very appealing to me right now, right? (laughs) I mean, and and I'm not even like going through a trauma, but like, you know. But I I can tell, I can tell that of all of the thoughts that I have had since being left yeah the what ifs are the most damaging to myself I know I know they're the place I definitely you know I want to go there but I recognize Mm -hmm. that oh that is the place that like nothing good comes from it and it just hurts me and so I'm instead trying to do radical acceptance okay where instead of just like digging in and figuring it out and and like creating different timelines in my head I'm just radically accepting that this horrible thing that I did not see coming happened. Mm-hmm. And now what do I do? You know, so Hear I think out. you can apply that to so many different things in your life. I understand radical acceptance, yada, yada. What if we built a hot tub time machine? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And then we just ruminated and fixated on all the what ifs. And mm-hmm. then we, and then we got in the time machine and we, and we, um, I would just like to say it's very unfair that you are still with your partner and I'm not. <laughs> I have done so much work. Yeah. <laughs> and you get yeah. to behave like this and be happy. <laughs> what? Babe? Like, what? <laughs> like, do all the bullshit, ruminate, not work on yourself, except that you're going to like, just be, you know what I mean? It's fucking not fair. Have you tried getting a partner who's also depressed? Well, you did. <laughs> I, uh, I, I know that you were, I'm, I'm joking about not having grown. Like I'm so different. I, I'm so, I can look back, like I'm so much nicer to Mal then. Like I can look back and be like, I understand where, where I went, where I, what I, whenever I went wrong with Garrett, I know what I did. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think I, I, I've gotten older and I'm like, just like less nuts. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, well, you can, you, you're on the right treatment plan and you're better able to regulate your emotions. But it is hard. I mean, speaking to this, very hard. to this, to this international questioner, it's hard because I, my brain still wants to do the bad things. Mm-hmm. It's not, totally. I mean, Mal, Mal and I had a screaming fight, screaming fight because I, I, I could not regulate myself. I just, I, I regulate myself all day long and I just couldn't. I mean, I, how can I not I ruminate on like, this isn't fair. Do you yeah, know what I mean? You like what happened to things. me is just not. And, and so again, with the radical acceptance of like, a lot of things are not fair. <laughs> a most lot of things. like, most things are not fair. Like I'm, you know, like, again, like the things that happen to us, some are our doing and some are just life and con- and like, coincidence and just a series of events and like and it's so you easy know. to you and I do this we assign the narr- we assign the narrative so like you're like I didn't meet this deadline therefore I am a shit person mm-hmm. and you and I have both had to work really hard on getting rid of the therefore mm-hmm. exactly it's so hard Allison it's hard and I hate doing it every day yeah I know <laughs> it sucks <laughs> But uh, I guess also, our advice to you is God. No, my advice to you is that like you, you got to just do the work, you know, like, yes, like the, the easy choice is to believe this narrative. Yeah. The easy choice is to decide, yeah, I am a piece of shit. I, I fucked up this one thing and you didn't even really fuck it up. You still did it. I yeah. missed one deadline and therefore I, I deserve to be miserable forever. I don't mm-hmm. ever deserve to grow. I don't ever deserve to be happy. I don't ever deserve to have a different accomplishment because I'm one and done, baby. And that's just My not God. life. Like, that's not how you would uh, treat anyone else. That's not an expectation you would have for anyone else. Um, and so you have to now do the work to like, un like, it, it's like, what is it when someone's in a cult and you get them out of it? You like have to like, <laughs> yeah, deprogram, them. Deprogram. you have to deep, you have to deprogram yourself. Yeah. And that's a lot of fucking work because unfortunately you are the one who programmed yourself. <laughs> like it, you, you did and you didn't because society, no, these, are a lot of, these are wise a lot, words. These are wise words society puts a lot of stuff on us. So it's not like you grew up in an Island and you became this person. Like there are a lot of external factors that are leading you to believe that this is correct. Yeah. But ultimately you are the programmer and you can unprogram yourself, but you just have to be dedicated to doing that. And you have to believe that you deserve to do that. Wow. Are you going to be a therapist? Maybe. Who knows? I'm- <laughs> I'm flying by the seat of my pants, Gabby. I could be an astronaut next year. Let's see. That's exciting. Well, yeah, I'm trying to just, who knows where life's taking me. Probably not to astronaut school, but maybe I'm somewhere else. Oh my God. If you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. I hope that helped you. Uh, Anonymous from California. And uh, up next, please stick around after the break because we're going to be talking to Chloe from Stripper Stories. Our guest this week is Chloe from the podcast Stripper Stories. Chloe is a pro-dom stripper and sex industry expert who has been working in the adult industry for 10 years. Hello, Chloe. Hi, how's it going? Oh, it's all right. right. (laughs) Thank Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Like, lush to be here. Thank oh, you no so problem. much. Thank you for coming. Thanks. So, okay. So tell the audience like who you are and what Stripper Stories is. Well, um, I was a stripper 
pre-COVID and now everything's right. completely closed and like I had nothing to do in lockdown. So one of my friends is like, why don't you start a podcast? Talk about all your stripper stories, all the things that happened to you, like all the girls that you meet. So yeah, I've started this like stripper stories podcast, which has now kind of evolved more into kind of very pro-sex, very pro-sex work, a very inclusive of kind of sex conversation, which I think is really important, especially now when we're all having mm-hmm. loads of it stuck in lockdown. <laughs> so we need to talk about it. And like, so me and my friends, well, yeah, we just no, get on the mic. Gone from, no, it's gone from some people what, to add a 10 and some people add a zero. My uh, roommate, well, my poor roommate has been trying to have sex since March. really I mean I don't know about you I know the way you are but like in London everyone's being so freaking sneaky they're like yeah (gasps) condoms can change the corona vibe I'm like no come on guys condoms don't stop corona okay stop going around people's houses and fucking each other it's not on it happens all the time in London people are like it's it's worse if anything they they don't care I know it's bad yeah and they don't care about they they're like well I know my partner is on grinder and grinder is popping (laughs) off the dudes on grinder don't care at all they're like come over we'll both wear masks all like I it's wild they left the mask up for all the naughty shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Honestly. So London is, um, we're having more sex than ever over here. So (gasps) it is mental. So yeah, Super Stories is becoming loud. Breaking (laughs) news here in the United States. I'm sure it's happening in the United States too. People don't really take safety seriously. Oh my God. I know it kind of sucks. It, it's um, interesting because like having you on would be interesting anyway but what what's going on in terms of the sex industry now that it's coronavirus well nothing well I mean <laughs> like I said people are doing naughty things and still like escorts are still seeing their customers and things like that or you know sugar babies still seeing their sugar daddies right. and, and etc I mean when it comes to like your livelihood I guess it's tough especially when you know obviously like sex work's been happening since the dawn of time you know people have been relying on that type of work um forever so yeah I mean technically nothing I'd like to say but I mean the cam industry is popped off everybody is on webcam right now so which is what I'm kind of doing like beside the podcast um so I work there like a couple hours a day it's pretty good and there's so many men at home (laughs) with their wives with their kids with their everything so there's a lot of money like you know online um so that's probably the the most you know uh I guess fruitful sex industry job going at the moment um and yeah all the dom houses dungeons they're all closed still firmly closed in London so yeah nothing going on that like avenue at all so yeah I mean it's kind of slow it's kind of sad like I hope that things open up soon in London I mean I've heard things happening in like Texas where they're doing like drive-through strip clubs I'm like oh I'm like no nothing here yet (laughs) fingers crossed it's happening it's gonna like reach over the pond I'm like yes please bring it over here I would do it um but yeah at the moment all the clubs are closed everything's closed you can only go to the shops and leave your house for a walk that's the only time I've left the house you know in the last month so it's mental yeah yeah. Well, let's pretend for a second that it's not 2020 and it is <laughs> it is a normal time. Like what what are some of the biggest misconceptions about the sex work industry? It's oh, I mean, I guess that you are your job. Like mm. that's it really. You know that women are um and men and you know the trans community, anyone that works in the sex industry at all is easy. Or, you know, see sex as less than a muggle would. 
mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that, you know, I'm on the podcast fighting against left, right and center, sex is sex, everybody does it, whether you charge money for it or you charge money to flash a nipple or what. Like that for me is just like mind blowing that people, you know, see, see people in general as almost less uh, because they, they charge for anything sexual at all. Um, mm-hmm. Whether, it, you know, even just be company going on Sugar Baby website, right. you know, more than like, you know, a lot of my friends do it and they work in like uh, office jobs. It's mm-hmm. mental how many like normal people do do it as a side hustle. So the, the I mean, the most for me that I would say that I've encountered is, you know, that you you must be a slut or slut shaming me because of mm-hmm. my job title. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it's ridiculous. Like saying that someone who works in an office is boring or, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. has no personality or is a virgin because they work in a library. Like you can't, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, so yeah, that for me is probably the the biggest misconception. Yeah, stupid. And I, I also I feel like there's this belief that no woman wants to do it. That every, oh, yeah. everyone is being forced to do it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh my God, it's the slow eye roll that like every <laughs> stripper, like, oh, their eyes are like twitching. Like, oh, it's when a guy comes into a strip club and is like, I can't believe a girl like you would be in a place like this. I'm like, hun, I walked here on my own. Or I drove in my in my Porsche, actually, to the fucking strip club and, and drove here on my own. And I, I work here every night because I want to. And... And I, I don't know, that is, a, yeah, you, you nail on the head there. I, I forgot about that one. It makes <laughs> me angry. <laughs> um, yeah. Men like, that say that to you, you know, like we're dragged and handcuffed, you know, <laughs> to the strip club. It doesn't happen, you know? Well, um, I think yeah. a lot of women think that too, where they're like, oh, yeah. the only no situation they, is that yeah. something horrible has happened to them and they got trapped in it or they this is their only outlet or something. But uh, I, I mean, mean obviously... obviously that, that, that does ex- happen. Yeah. Right. I'm, like, obviously you hear about the horror stories that it is a, you know, I'm not going to say that isn't a thing. Like it's mm-hmm. never happened because I'm sure there is situations just like in any job. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, where that's there's I always thought of it sign. where it's like, if, if that's the only job people say that about, like nobody would be like, oh my God, this toll booth worker doesn't want to be a toll booth worker. We should rescue them. It's like, this, what, what no so people like and don't like their jobs at any job literally all jobs I, I think a lot of people feel like these women are in in danger and are like right. um yeah. chained to this lifestyle and I, there's absolutely that happening like we said but it's not yeah. all women it's not no. all sex workers mm-hmm. um I, and then uh, this is another thing that i'm trying to understand and people have been helpful but like the difference between wanting to legalize sex work and then wanting to decriminalize sex work and how those are different Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about, it's another thing that, that like a lot of feminism is like branched over that as well. You know, what is feminism? Like mm-hmm. decriminalizing, legalizing, it's just, for me, it's just all about the people who are working in the industry being happy and being content mm-hmm. with having a safe environment to work where they can have rights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for instance, you know, in the UK at the moment with Corona, if you're self-employed, you do get help. Whereas, you know, they've in America and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but they've now stigmatized sex work that even if you have paid your taxes, you're not getting any help because it's sex work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. nobody's getting any help. No, <laughs> they said, they sent about? out one $1,200 check and that's it. That's, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's something, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's hard the sex to pay workers are taxes. getting nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. They're getting nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I, I think for me, there has to be something, especially now in 2020, with all these other things going on in the world, like there's bigger things to worry about. Let's just mm-hmm. all like get over it. Sex mm-hmm. is sex. Let these women, if they're doing it for the right reasons and they're in control, it's consensual, it's safe. Why not give them a platform and a safe place to work without stigmatizing them and putting them down? No one needs that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then male sex workers or or sex workers who aren't like women who need to be rescued are just like completely erased from the conversation. There's like no, uh, there's, it's this like uh, one view of what you think a stripper or what you think a sex worker looks like. And then the hierarchy of like, well, if they're just a stripper, maybe they're a stripper and they, and they want to be a doctor one day. You know what I mean? Like it's these narratives that we've built up of what things look like or what the types of people are. And like, so when you were doing stripper stories, what are like, what are some of the stories that come up again and again? Like, what are some of the, the stereotypes in terms of like, not even stereotypes, but just things that you're like, God, this again, when you're at work? I mean, it has to be the mental requests that you get from like specific types of men. You know, it's, it's almost like it's on cam, especially now as, as well. Mm-hmm. I'm getting it every day. It's like kinks that they can't express to their wives or at home or to their girlfriends. So they'll come and talk to a stripper about it. It's almost like you're a glorified therapist, I mm-hmm. guess. So they'll, they'll kind of be like, well, I'm paying you. So you have to listen to me. I'm like, right. Okay. But there mm-hmm. is some things that someone just anyone doesn't want to hear. It is interesting. It, it is like, I feel like you become like a student of the human condition uh like I well I did I've done some sex work stuff and it is fascinating first of all one of the first things I learned was that uh they're gonna they're gonna try to waste your time as much as possible and not give you money so they're gonna try to talk to you for as long as they can without giving you money um and they and that's the thing is they just want to talk I mean they just want to talk and that's like yeah that's like even more fascinating that was more fascinating to me than the any sort of weird kink or like you know I I want you to go close to the camera and put lipstick on for 30 minutes over and over okay fine but like the the part that is like I think people don't understand about like the service of sex work sometimes it really is just like a therapist yeah and they just want to tell you about their lives yeah. I mean, how do you emotionally companionship? How do you like emotionally deal with the performance of that? Or if it's a performance, you know, it, every day, if you're coming into your job and for me, I love meeting new people. I'm quite yeah. easygoing. You know, it's it, you need to like your job to a point, right? Like anyone, you know, wants to like their job. I mean, for me, I worked in the sex industry for 10 years. Um, I'm still, I'm still in it. And mm-hmm. it was something I, you know, wanted to do for my whole life. I never thought when I was a baby, like, oh, I'm going to be a stri- stripper. Oh, but I, like, babies don't I, know about strippers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I was a baby stripper and I was like, I'm going <laughs> to get out of this. No, I never did. I'm still there. Um, but uh, I did enjoy it. And I enjoyed that kind of, like, I guess that role play, that mm-hmm. kind of acting. It was just acting really to me. And you know what? Like I have become much more um, accepting of, of humans just That's in general. What it I is, think yeah. Yeah. And I think that it, it does really change you as a person. You know, I used to be really uptight or like quite shy and like not really, you know, confident in my body and things like that. And now I'm just like, do it, say what you want to me. It Nothing is going to, it's just like water off a duck's back. doesn't matter. <laughs> and like, so I don't know. I think, for me, that was the best part about it is just like 
meeting all these strange people and different people and you know it being okay to be different um mm-hmm. I think that's one of the best things about being in in the industry for me and it was easy to go to work every day how did you get involved in stripping and the sex work um funny story it was a guy that suggested it mm-hmm. and not a very nice guy at that mm-hmm. so um it was like an asshole that I dated you know back in the day and I was in a a kind of sticky spot with money I was did a master's degree I was in loads of debt from my stupid degree and um he was like why don't you you know I was working in a bar with him and he saw loads of guys giving me their number over the bar and he was like why don't you just become a stripper maybe you'd be able to pay off your debt I was like that's a really shitty thing for you to say if you're dating me whatever then I think a couple weeks later we broke up and I thought you know what actually maybe he's got a point (laughs) I'm gonna audition and see how I get on and um, I auditioned that night and, and worked the same night and never looked back. So thank wow. you, Arsenal. Appreciate <laughs> what, what was the audition? It was um, just dancing on the stage around a pole. I literally put in like how to be a stripper into Google. <laughs> and I was like, what do I do? I went to drama school. So I was like ballet and like, so you, you know, knew how to dance. Up. Yeah, but like yeah. stripping is a different thing. It is a different animal. It's not just because you can dance, you can't strip. Like literally, I did some sort of weird, the women clapped me at the end. I was like, oh, I feel like Liza Minnelli. Um, and then, I, <laughs> then I stayed Then I stayed at the strip club. It was very strange. I mean, I, I think I must have looked like an absolute idiot looking back at myself. No, you got the job. I got the job. Yeah. And yeah. and the girls help me, you know, they do help you in the beginning when you're like a little loser, like not knowing what to wear. <laughs> I was going to ask, what's the companionship or what's the like, how, you know, when someone's new or whatever, like how, how is it to like have all these female coworkers? Um, actually someone asked me this question. It's in the beginning when you're green, it, you don't really see the subtleties of the kind of dog eat dog zoo kind of animalistic stuff that's going on because it's just, you, you've never been in that environment before. So for me in the beginning, it wasn't so catty because mm-hmm. I was just oblivious. I think there must've been loads of girls bitching behind my back, stealing my customers left, right and center. And I was just like, yeah, I got 300 pounds in my pocket. You know, in the beginning it's, it's good. And then as you kind of, you evolve and you, you know your place in that, in that particular club, or in the town that you're in, then you get to know your like group of girls and then you, you can work in like packs of women kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the friendliest job though. It is It does have, you know, the preconceived notion of being bitchy and it is quite catty. You know, it's, a, it's you know, competition at the end of the day. Everybody has, you know, it's all about ego and competition and oh, I'm just like even talking about it, I'm bored, but it, you have to, you have to invest. <laughs> How do you find your, your brand or your niche? Like, how do you go like, okay, this is how I'm going to like be set myself apart. Mm, just don't wear the same dress as another girl. <laughs> Otherwise you will get it. Literally. <laughs> you will not be friends. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's about your stage presence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never danced at a pole before. Go to a few classes. I went to a few pole classes, got some nice shoes. And it's just confidence. I think the longer you do it, you figure out like what your thing is, you know, you have to figure out what, you know, what you can do better than the other girls. Um, especially when there's a hundred girls on a night, if not 200 girls on a night, can you imagine that? It's like women running in heels. Like I'm like hair flying everywhere, people (laughs) fighting. It's like, it's mental, honestly. Like some of the things I've seen, like, so yeah. And then, and like, obviously not let, you know, women get you down. That's another thing. Like I just, so many times I just didn't want to go back into work, you know, from, mm-hmm. because of the cattiness. Mm-hmm. I think I'm never going to go back, you know, like I can't possibly show my face there again, but you get over it, you know? 
hardens you up, I think. Does everyone in your life know what you do for a living? Um, no. And that's the sad thing. Like, it's a tough one I've kind of been battling with quite a lot recently Mm -hmm. because of my podcast and the kind of message that I want to, and I I feel like that should be portrayed and, and spoken, but it's difficult, especially with like having sisters, boyfriends, friends who aren't so, um, liberal, I guess, or so Mm -hmm. carefree or even just confident enough to talk about sex and that's their choice. So the podcast has kind of made me realize like, you know, I don't show my face. So that's why Mm -hmm. I asked you before this, I was like, we, you know, I have to like stay anonymous. My name is my stripper name, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'd love nothing more than just to tell everyone because what's wrong with it, you know, but other people in my life, you know, it it might like kind of sell them out. So, and also, you know, it's just a lot of hassle and, you know, it's just difficult. And also like there's clients and they learn your name. That's a whole thing. Oh my God. I never tell a client my name. They're getting creepy, (laughs) proper creepy. They're like, Oh, they look you up on the internet. Like, especially if you've got two jobs, you know, they can find you via like LinkedIn. Like that's weird. Or like your dating profile. They'll find you. They'll find out if you've got a boyfriend, a secret boyfriend that you obviously haven't told them about because you're single. Every stripper is single, even though they're not. (laughs) A lot of them have 15 kids and you know, a husband at home. But so how, how has this impacted your, your dating Dating, life? Do you you date? Have you been in relationships since you've been doing this? Um, in the beginning, when I was first starting out, I didn't because I was, I had a traumatic relationship anyway. And I was just like, I'm going to be single and, Mm -hmm. and live it up. Right. But, um, and also I was kind of a bit apologetic about my job, which is silly, but when you're first Mm -hmm. doing something new and you're kind of, you do, I apologize for myself too much, to be honest. Um, so I was like, I didn't tell people, I thought they were just going to see me as a whole. (laughs) They're going to literally just see me as a stripper. And that's right. So as I've kind of got older though, it's been easier to have relationships with guys because I'm just honest and it kind of weeds out the men from the boys for me. If, you know, if they see it as a job and they know who I am and I've done a job, this job before them, I will do it after them. So it's not going to go anywhere. So, (laughs) you know, if I'm honest, what, what, you know, what more can, can, you know, I do to be honest. Yeah, it's been easier in my in my later older years because I've been more honest. But when I was a baby stripper, I struggled just because I was dishonest, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also you do meet a lot of guys who's like, oh yeah, I fucked a stripper last night. It was fucking great. And you're like, oh, really? Like they, they love it in the beginning as well. They love to know mm. you're a stripper. And then as you get more serious, they don't like it. Things change, you know, mm-hmm. they're as honest with themselves too. So um I kind of had I've had both sides of the coin I'd say but I've had a lot of horror stories a lot of girls do get it quite hard I think <sighs> um dating guys it's difficult yeah so what do you think we need to do to to make this like a more acceptable lifestyle and career path and like how do we work at chipping away all of the stigma I guess just like ask questions read books read mm-hmm. articles like learn from women who actually do it you know if you're mm-hmm. you're struggling with it or you you don't understand it or you know, can't accept it, then ask yourself why, you know, go to Mm -hmm. a strip club, see what it is that they actually do. You know, don't talk about it like, you know, and you've never been, you know, that's the kind of thing that I've, I've found from a lot of straight women that I've danced for. They're like, I've never been to a strip club. I thought it was going to be, you know, guys getting blowjobs here, left, right and center. And, you know, but I come in, you're all really nice. You're really respectful and there's no hands anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, cause you came in and you learned something. And then mm-hmm. hopefully that girl will tell someone else and tell someone else. And then before you know it, we will 
hopefully got the gist, but <laughs> I think it's just, um, just learn, like read, read and ask yeah. questions if you don't get it, you know? And um, humanize, like ask, because like, I think putting voices or faces to, to these jobs that, I mean, we're, you're really up against like years and media and movies and like, you know, everything being like this, this ingrained thing uh, uh, about sex work for women, for all people, like making fun of the like gay twink idiot. You're going up against like so many things that I think with it's a good idea for anybody who has ideas or stereotypes about like a group of people to just like unpack what where is that coming from what did you see when you were like 10 that just like put that in your mind or whatever yeah and and to hear and I think on your show and on our show you know to to actually be like this is a a person who does this job and here they are and they also do other things (laughs) and like yeah, they have other interests. So before we move on to the next segment, I just want to say for, for any listeners who, you know, are maybe going through some economic hardship right now with COVID and unemployment rates and everything, and they're, they're thinking about potentially going online and, and doing some cam work, what would you say to them? And like, what should they expect? Uh, what, like, how was there, what do they need to know? How can it look different for different people? Um, just persevere with it. I mean, and find a campsite that's good for you. There's lots of them on there. Um, and check how much commission they take, take some really good photos, find some really good underwear that you feel really confident in and really good lighting and just have a go and, you know, ask the girls on there as well. You can email them all and ask them, how do you get started? How do you feel Mm -hmm. about this? And they will answer you back. Like I did that. And they're all so lovely. And it's almost like yeah. they're nicer because it's behind a screen. It's less competition <laughs> because you don't really have to meet each other. So everyone's super nice. So I would, uh, yeah, find some nice underwear and put some nice music on and just do it on a Sunday. Have a drink. You know, it's easy. <laughs> and I'm like, I, if I can do it, anyone can do it. A lot of my friends have done it as well. And they've never worked in the sex industry and they've, they're all earning really good money. So yeah, it's super easy. And you should ask what thing, what prices, right? <laughs> that was a big one for me. Yeah, like, exactly. Like everybody's got different prices and it's normally because like if you're a porn mm-hmm. star, you can charge a bit more. Mm-hmm. Me as an average Joe, like right. an average little normal person, I charge a certain amount. You know, you can't mm-hmm. overcharge on there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it puts people off. Don't under rate yourself either. So you can, yeah, ask, just ask people. It mm-hmm. is difficult though, isn't it? Like knowing what prices to put. And also you can, you can have boundaries, right? Like you can do some stuff, but not do other things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like if something's not for you, like, you know, some guy the other day asked me to shit on video with my face in it. Can you imagine that? No. And I was just like, absolutely not. That's not for me. Thank you very much. You know what? Google, I bet there's more than one woman who would love to do it. Well, that's why I think it, it needs to become legalized so that you like you know if you go into a restaurant it says we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone like by making it more of a business you're able to do that you're able to maintain more of the power and decide who you work with and who you don't yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah fingers crossed one day (laughs) after this corona they'll think that'll be the next thing that people concentrate on (laughs) they do need to start looking after their sex workers everywhere in the world i think it would i mean it's like legalizing weed it's like legalizing mm-hmm. all these things that people I like, see as such a faux pas. It's only done good things. Let's just like, mm-hmm. let's learn, shall we? And mm-hmm. just do something good. But um, yeah, after Corona, my fingers are crossed. <laughs> Ours too. Would you, <laughs> would you like to play a silly game show? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a 
Okay, so this game show is called Hypotheticals. You and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. Um, I would ask what you would do in that situation or your opinion of it. You can ask any clarifying questions you have, and then I arbitrarily uh, decide whose answer I prefer. Okay. So okay. No, no rules other than I'm in charge. Okay. <laughs> no change. Okay, so our first game is America's favorite game show, Would You Stay With This Cheater? Okay. You find out that your partner of 10 years meets up with their high school love once a year to spend five full minutes staring into each other's eyes. That's all they do. No kissing, no talking, just staring into each other's eyes for five minutes. Would you stay with this person who might be cheating depending on your definition of cheating? Wow, Chloe. This is a tough Alice, one. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Allison's mind. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. Strange man. Strange man. At least get a blowjob. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> Just staring. Um, I think not. I you think, think not. you'd leave? I think I would. You know, I think... Uh, I'd, uh, I, I'm a big believer. If, if you're with that one person and you've had that conversation be with that one person. I mean, I just don't understand what it is like when men or women, you know, always looking back or looking for the next or, yeah. you know, you know, trying to always grass is greener. I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah. that doesn't, I don't really like that. That just makes me feel a bit like you're not invested. So I probably mm -hmm. wouldn't know. 100%. I would also leave. Uh, mm. And I, because I, I don't like when I, I'm fine with new people and polyamorous, but if your ex shows up, I will kill them. So no exes. <laughs> None. Zero. No exes. Get out of here. Well, I hate to tell you that that person was your soulmate. Okay, here's and the other part of this quote is that Allison is an omnipotent being who can tell whose soulmate is who. But not to mention that. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy. But you're not meant to be with them just yet. So you both have to go on your own paths for 10 more years and then you'll get back together. After and five years of staring into each other's eyes. That's where life brings you. That's your journey. Oh, wow. <laughs> that does not feel great. No, I don't like it either. <laughs> okay, sorry. I can't change these these facts. <laughs> okay, Good so judge. our second game is are they an alien or just rude? So like this an alien from outer space. Mm. Okay. While at a family dinner, your aunt's new boyfriend squeezes your shoulder three times every time he passes you. When you try to dodge the squeeze, he goes out of his way to do it while whispering, no. I'm trying to heal you. No. Is this person an alien or just rude? You just be no. like, hard pass. <laughs> uh -huh. Freak. What if they're an alien trying to heal you? Creep. Creep. 100% a creep. I, he has uh, to be locked fool away. Me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You're a goddamn creep. Absolutely it's just not. on your shoulder. It's just three <laughs> gentle squeezes. Have you, no. Have you ever been gently squeezed by a man you don't really know on your shoulder? It's disgusting. Yeah, it's it horrible. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, it turns out it's just a very creepy alien. Um, okay, so but he does have he the ability. He does have the ability to heal you, but now he won't because he's just an ass. What what was wrong with me? What was you I had cancer, with? but you didn't know. Stop that! Stop it! <laughs> so if we got touched like a little freaky little freak, we would have got killed from cancer. No, you would have been healed. Yeah, you would have been. He would have oh, fixed man. it, but you you we know we lost the game. We lost that game. We lost it. But maybe maybe your self worth is worth it because there's good cancer treatment now. I can't, no, Allison, oh, and let me get, 
yes, the treatment is I stare into my doctor's <laughs> eyes for five minutes. <gasps> Magically cured. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah, that's> <laughs> I can't. No. Okay, our final game. Are you a terrible parent? Okay. Your child, four, wants to eat meat, but you are a vegetarian. When he gets offered a burger at a neighborhood barbecue, you tell him he can eat it, but sometimes human remains get mixed in with red meat. <gasps> he never eats meat again, even after he is old enough to know you are lying. Are you a terrible parent? He is yes. now a very annoying <laughs> vegan. <laughs> yes. Very yes. <laughs> yes. It's like the, no offense if anyone's a vegan, but it's like those vegans that come to your table and it's like, why are you not a vegan? It's like pushing something down someone's throat when it's not asked for. Even if you're four years old, it's like, I, I feel like the same about religion, about meat and religion. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing. <laughs> I, have, I have a horrible question. Yes. How do we know human remains don't get into. I don't think that's sometimes. a horrible question. I think that's a great question. And because worth what if thinking the about. Butcher, what if the butcher accidentally cuts off his finger and then it goes in the meat grinder? Mm -hmm. How do we know we're not all sometimes eating human meat? Think about that. So you're a great parent is what you're saying. I'm saying I'm telling the truth, the hard truth, <laughs> which is it's impossible. Here's what I would say. I would go, I wouldn't say it all has human meat in it. I would say, you know, it's impossible to know <laughs> whether or not there is human meat in this possible to know. You'll never know. So that's a risk we all run. Well it's, well, it's like you say, oh, like whenever someone gives you a smoothie, it's like, oh, you'll never know if there's semen in there. Better not drink right, that smoothie. Yeah, oh, never you know. never know. <laughs> like, you might you have never to... know. The correct answer is that you are a terrible parent because that kid grows up to be that boyfriend who stares women in the eyes for five minutes. <laughs> Circle okay. back around. Very clever. <laughs> because, because he is so desperate for human connection because he's so afraid that there's meat, that there's human meat and everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? We have an Instagram, which is Stripper Stories Podcast, or we are stripperstories.com. Yeah, so anywhere. And anywhere we listen to great podcasts, I'm everywhere. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chloe. Thank you so much. I appreciate you girls. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about emotional support animals. Woof. Meow. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for topics. X, 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 baby. Baby. Miss saying that. Is that weird? I know. No, I, I love yeah. to say it. So it's emotional support animal time and why they're great. I would also like to say uh, emotional support animal is something that can be certified mm -hmm. where like your therapist says that it it is, and like you also has to have certain behavioral traits and like be very mm -hmm. well trained. But I'm I'm using this term uh, more mm -hmm. loosely, where it is the role that they provide for you versus whether or not they are actually certified as an emotional support mm -hmm. animal. Okay, so here's my bone to pick with Kristen, my therapist, and I know she doesn't okay. listen to this podcast, <laughs> but um, <laughs> she's great therapist. She refuses to certify beans as an emotional support animal. And because Why? she says that he's more nervous than me, and <laughs> he's a little, he's a baby chihuahua. I mean, he is like with me 24 seven. He is the love of my life. He, I mean, since March, I mean, since quarantine, it's gotten even worse. 
where we're just like, he, uh, my friend Drew was staying with him and Drew's like, so beans doesn't like when you're not touching at all times. And I was like, that's correct. I live my entire life being touched by a chihuahua. Um, he <laughs> like, I love him so much. He, he is, he's like genuinely calms me down, like genuinely calms my heart down, genuinely like makes me feel better if I'm sad. Uh, like I, I, we've Mal and I have had talks where Mal is like, you have to show me as much affection as you show the dog. Like, it's not fair. Like you, we wake up in the morning and you, and you cuddle beans and you go, good morning, little baby, good morning. And Mal's like, hi, I'm also a good boy. Um, and, but my therapist says that because beans isn't trained and because, uh, he's also an anxious little animal that he doesn't qualify, but I would argue for me, like he is, he is a huge emotional support in my day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. He is like uh, the whole, one of the things, the reasons I got him is because I needed a reason to get out of bed. Like beans Mm -hmm. is why I go outside. I have my coffee. I sit, Mm -hmm. I, I, he goes to the bathroom. Like he's the reason I have to move around during the day. Cause I have to feed him. Like if I was depressed and I'd have beans, like there'd be no reason for me to move. No, you know, following the, the, the leaving, um, I had to still take care of sugar. That's what's amazing. You know, like I still had to, I still had to walk sugar. I still had to like, you know, and I feel terrible for sugar because I'm like, she's going through the trauma of losing yep. her dad. Yep. You know, like she's going, she's lost like one of her primary mm-hmm. people. Cause she was just as close to him, if not closer to him. And she's now being shipped across mm-hmm. the country in an airplane and staying at my parents' house with another dog who she yep. doesn't like. And like, you know, and, and like, but she has in this time, especially, I don't know if it's that we're in a different location. So she's therefore being more clingy to me, but she is like, she is showing up for me. I think she just in a way can read what's like, going on. I think dogs can tell. I don't know, you know, I, but like just that I flew home and I had the dog on my lap mm-hmm. the whole time that I'm, and then I drive home from the airport. I have the dog next to me. I'm, I'm not sleeping alone because I'm sleeping with dogs mm-hmm. on my bed. Like, uh, when I got her, you know, in 2016, I was, I was living alone and obviously I'm going to return to living alone. And it, and it is so nice to have something mm-hmm. else in your Absolutely. presence. So just something that you can talk mm-hmm. to some, the it, it's known that like just petting an animal mm-hmm. calms you down. Also having the purpose of mm-hmm. caring for something, you know, just that I'm like, I'm the reason this dog mm-hmm. is alive is like, is impressive to me. It makes me feel capable. It makes me feel like I have, um, some importance mm-hmm, and purpose mm-hmm. and and also like it's just entertainment oh, throughout the day. Beans, day. Like, beans is endlessly fascinating yeah. to me endlessly i just sit and watch him sometimes i stare sometimes totally. i stare at him and i go i purchased you so that i could gaze upon your cuteness whenever i want <laughs> um <laughs> well i just think there's something so powerful about animals and i adopted him by the way i just had to pay a fee <laughs> There's something just so powerful about animals where they're just operating on a different level. So there isn't the, yeah, there isn't the complexity. There isn't the, you did this and now my feelings towards you are going to change in this Mm -hmm. way. Like, you know, like it is just like a, a connection that can ground you, that can calm you. And honestly, I understand that for a lot of different reasons, people can have pets, Mm -hmm. but if I were to say, what is my number one recommendation for someone struggling with their mental health, it would be to get a pet. 
And yeah. like that pet can be a dog, it can be a cat, it can be a rabbit, it can be snake, a, whatever. a turtle, you know, like I, I just think that having the presence of another living thing that you care for and that cares for you is so powerful and meaningful and is like uh, more fun than therapy. <laughs> yeah, well, so the thing with beans is I, I realized uh, through growth, <laughs> what I'm really telling on myself here, uh, that I... I have a, I have trouble with thinking, what do people want from me? Mm-hmm. What do you want from me? Why are you doing this? Why are you being nice? What do you want? Um, <clears throat> and like really weird with platonic intimacy and really weird with like trusting, like, like, is this, why is this person touching me? Is this person touching me? Cause they want something, but and instead of just being like, just a hug, Gabby, like chill out. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and so with the dog, Mal was like, it's so interesting because you hold the dog all day. You cuddle the dog. You can like be affectionate with the dog. And like with people, you're like, I'm, I cuddle Mal. But Mal says a lot of times, I'm like, I no thank you. Um, and I think like, because I realized like the dog has no expectations. The dog is, the dog doesn't want anything from me other than what, what is happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. The dog isn't judging me. The dog isn't like, Hey, we've been laying here a little bit too long. The dog isn't like, well, sugar says that to me. Sometimes, but. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the dog. And if I, and if I need to get up, I don't have to explain that to the dog. Like there's, there's a, a, like a comfort in truly like you, what you see is what you get. There's no ulterior motive. The dog is not giving you an ulterior motive. And I think my like big fear is ulterior motives. So I'm mm. able to like, with, I love dogs and I love babies. There's no <laughs> ulterior motives to a baby. Mal's niece, Harper, Mal was like, how can you just, Mal's exhausted. Mal's like, you're just been playing with Harper for four hours. You have no, you're not nothing. You don't feel any like, exa- I'm exhausted. I was like, I could play with her for another four. That baby's great. That baby doesn't want anything from me other than like what it's immediately telling me. It's like got no ulterior motives. If it's upset, it'll just say so. Like that's that, like dogs and babies it's so not stressful to me. I will say though, that sugar does cause me a lot of heartache over the years because she is not a traditional dog in the sense that she is not super giving with her love. She does not come when I call her. She doesn't Mm -hmm. really give me kisses. Like she is not what I wanted when I got a dog. I wanted this like outpouring of unconditional love. And I posted about it on, on emotional support lady being like, I need to learn how to accept her version of love. Mm-hmm. and not my expectations of what that should look like thinking thinking that I'm a bananas person and I'm the only person who's ever dealt with this and so many people were like I have the same thing with my dog same thing with my cat I want them to be this way but they're acting like this you know and so I also I don't want to like go, like um sugarcoat yeah glorify yeah. that like every animal will behave that way with you mm-hmm. but even though sugar doesn't behave the way like my ideal dog would there is still love there and also like the fact that I will never leave her you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. after Jake left like a big I kept just saying to her I will never leave you <laughs> you yep. know yep. like this well, is there, how... there is something in having this lifelong commitment to this animal where it's like I will be with you for your life I will be yes. there for you for your entire life even if they're not always giving you what you want there's yeah. strength in providing that for them yes I mean, one of the things, imagine kids, because one of the things that was me and my ex got beans together. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I was like, I will not forgive you is the way that she just abandoned him. Mm -hmm. Just was like, 
out of his life, didn't offer to, to pay for anything, didn't offer, like you had sugar and also that what you're going through is way more traumatic, but she and I got beans together and she didn't say like, Hey, if he needs to go to the vet, if he needs any food, like, sorry, I ditched, like, is there anything I can do to help? nothing. I felt like a single fucking parent. And I was like, and so then when she kind of tried to get back into my life and was like, Hey, like I wanted to be able to take the dog a couple of days a week. I was like, over my goddamn dead body. You take me to divorce court. Fucking you're not seeing this dog. And then I a hundred percent understood all of my mom's clients in that one moment. <laughs> but like I, and then I was like, beans, I'm like, to me, I was like, it felt like I'm your mom. And we're single moms and, I'm your, and we're going to get through this together. And it, it helped. Also, I don't know if this will help you, but it helped to joke as if like Beans was my son. So mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, I have to pay to put him through college on my own now. And uh, like he had to, because, uh, you know, my ex left me, uh, he's got to move school districts. And so like, I don't know if that, if, if that sort of game helps you at all, but it made me feel a lot better to act like I, I had a, a, like a child and I was like an actual single mother. I don't know why. Yeah. You got to figure out what works for you. But for me, it's just that like, I, there is another being in my apartment. There's another being right. that is inextricably like, tied to me. Oh my God, me. I have to focus on this person. Yeah. And I just think that person. I, 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 you know, again, I'm not saying that every animal will behave exactly the way that you want them to, but I think that just having that relationship with an animal is healing and is Mm -hmm. something that I I want for anybody who has even just like the smallest inkling of desire for it. So I would really say that like, if you are capable and maybe a dog is too much, maybe a cat is too much, maybe you're ready for a hamster. Melissa, do you want to come on in and tell us your thoughts and also that you're back? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Woo! Oh, my God. Hi. Okay. So for those of you who are seasoned podcast listeners, uh, we have been through a few producers and we are moving from our old network to Forever Dog, which is where we are now. And we were like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be great? because we have to lose Tamika, who we love so much. Uh, But maybe if we got Melissa, it would soften the blow. And we did it, you guys. We got Melissa back. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We were like, it felt like a fantasy. But then Forever Dog was like, no, yeah, we can do that. (laughs) You'll recall Melissa from having been uh, our our producer on this podcast. Also from Don't Blame Me pod. Also from Grace Helbig's pod, Not Too Deep. Uh, just a connoisseur. Uh, so we are very happy to have you back. Uh, how does it feel to be back? Uh, it feels like a warm embrace and I've not (laughs) touched anyone in a long time. So, you know, it feels good. (laughs) I have to say, I know that I promised you a long time ago that I'd set you up with someone. (laughs) And I, I think about it all the time and I, I really do, but I just don't, I just don't know any quality men. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I'm not into like committing to someone right now when we're in lockdown either. But I, I have my eyes open and I I do think about it quite often. Well, that's good to know that I'm always on your mind. All I'm sorry good. we brought you back on a rather depressing episode, but uh, it'll get well, better from here. It's life. So you got to end on a high note, which is that Melissa's back. We took you through twists and turns. Uh, and and then uh, we thought at the end, we'd be like, guess what, guys? It's not all bad. <laughs> what do we what do we rate this episode? 
I'm going to give it five out of five puppies. Yeah. We love puppies. What did you think of our discussion with Chloe? I thought it was delightful. I was into it. I was especially like interested in hearing what she had to say about how the sex work industry has, you know, just like other jobs has changed with COVID. And so Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. so good to hear, especially because like in the early days of COVID, when I didn't know what work was going to be, I uh, was looking into maybe selling some feet pics and stuff. So I was right. It's never too late. I'm. It's still like on the forefront of my mind. I have very mm-hmm. niche feet. They're very fat, and so um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it is something that I I think about a lot. I also oh took a lot of before COVID was taking a lot of pole dancing classes. So can you spin on it? Um, I'm not very good, but yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. That's apparently if you can pass the audition, you're, you're in. in. It was it was a great discussion. We both talked about how much her accent was just so lovely. I know. I that was my accent. first note that I made. What did we learn from this episode? Gabby had said uh, something that you're a student of the human condition. And so um, I just loved hearing that. And uh, that's I think that's the biggest takeaway that I have from this. episode. Yeah, Allison, like I know that you don't want to hear because my mom always goes like, well, this will make a great chapter in your book someday. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I and I'm always like, I don't want to hear about. But like, I think like um, this is like you have the capacity to take this in and then also use it for something like you're not going to like you're you're going to help other people with it versus I think like someone else who would just internally destruct um like you have something in your brain or however you're wired that allows you to to take things that happen to you and like give and so I think that obviously this is like horrible but luckily you are the type of person who like creates that way or like uses things that way and and I I'm sure it's isolating, right? I mean, who wants to talk about like, like ending engagements? Like fucking nobody. <laughs> but like, but like all, all the people messaging you, I'm sure are like, they're, they're like breathing a little easier. Cause like they, they, they are talking to someone. Like, I think, you know, I think for better or worse, the gift of the artist, right. Is that, that, that's like, that's, that's, you can funnel all of that into something that it helps. Allison said, like and people rarely get hit by lightning, but it's even more rare that you get hit by lightning twice. And so that was so insightful. Thank you. I, I just don't want this experience to make me bitter yeah. or angry or vengeful. You know, like I obviously don't want this, but I also don't want this to like ruin me or change the things about myself that I like. And yeah. so I, you know, I think part of it is like being able to like tell hopefully other people that like that is an option that it is an option to mourn and to lose and to go through trauma but to not lose yourself in it hopefully god I would it would be so easy to be bitter (laughs) I'm trying really hard I mean obviously there are there are are moments but it it doesn't serve me it doesn't serve anybody (sighs) This is, yeah, you're like on another plane of, of existence. Like, like I like did his laundry after he'd left me because there was like the laundry fuck? in his laundry in the dryer and laundry in the hamper. And I was doing laundry to get ready to go to New York. And I was like, 
well, you know, and some people were like, don't do his laundry. And I was like, well, then where am I going to put, you know, like in my head, I was like, I don't want to change how I treat people because of how I've been treated. If that wow. makes sense. Wow. So then I, I just did the laundry. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I don't know. Who knows? You're incredible. Well, not to everyone, but <laughs> we're keeping this podcast as of right now, a space where I will not say the mean things I want to say. and that's that on that i rate this uh uh 10 out of 10 restraint on my feelings on the situation (laughs) and i will rate it 100 out of 90 support systems so thank you guys yeah thank you guys so much for being here for me through all of this and not and and the the people on the pod like follow emotional support lady and also like you guys talk to talk to allison tweet at allison message allison please you're all out there i know you i just think there's power in in sharing our stories because it feels so isolating and that this and that when something happens to you it's for a personal reason versus just like things these things happen so it's been so powerful to be like oh this happened to them this happened to them that happened to them so it's just like you know, again, like a car accident. It's just something that happened to me. I also had something big happen that's going to probably be like a car accident. What? I started a TikTok. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's wrap this episode up. <laughs> Thank you so much to Chloe from Stripper Stories for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa D. Moss. Executive produced by Brett Boham. Joe Cilio and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcast at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash justbetweenusshow. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. And at JBU Podcast on Instagram. That's our Instagram. Forever.